I want you to think about high school. I realized the other day, it's like, man, I'm getting really close to 30 years. Man, that's, you know. But some of us, you know, it wasn't only but a few years ago, and others of us, it's been a little while. But think about high school. More specifically, think about your best friend in high school. Who's your best friend? My, my best friend was Tyson. Now, Tyson and I, we actually became friends in junior high, and uh, his mom, we, we were pretty close because his mom was the junior high um, nurse. So I went to go see her a lot because I wanted to get out of class. But anyway, that's a whole other story. And, but I, I got to know them so well, and we became such good friends that I started calling her mom. They were like my second family. But Tyson and I, through high school, we were always together. We were always hanging out together. It was really weird, though, because the only time we didn't hang out is when we were dating somebody. And then it was like, okay, listen, I'll see you later. i got to go hang out with her. But... Uh, but we were always together, whether it was cruising down the road, jamming to some 90, 80, 90 hair bands, you know, Metallica, Motley Crue, uh, Def Leppard. Okay, I'm the only one that listened to that. But anyway, um, you know, we were, just, I mean, we were jamming, right? Or uh, maybe it was looking at exotic cars that we'd never be able to afford. But we were always together. We loved hanging out to each other, with each other. But here's the thing. We graduated in May of 1992. We went our separate ways, you know, did our college thing and did, did our post-high school thing. And then we, we connected again the summer of 1993. And I haven't talked to Tyson or seen Tyson since. Now, for a lot of you, you think, man, it's weird. Because one thing I realized when we moved to Sandusky in 2005 is no one leaves Sandusky. It's like, it really, like, listen, in my high school in Excelsior Springs, Missouri, in Kansas, out just outside Kansas City, if you got voted, you were still living in Excelsior 10 years after graduation, that was kind of an insult. It was kind of like, you're a loser if you're still living here. But, you know, Sandusky's such a great place. And so, you know, people stay here a lot. But here's the thing that I, another question I want us to, to kind of think about as we get started this morning. Why does it seem as we get older to find true friendships? Why does it seem like as we get older to find true friendships? Now, some of you, you may still be best friends with your best friend from high school, and that's awesome. But for a lot of us, I think it's, it's, it's because we get so busy. Because when you're, when you're in high school, when you're a student, you have, you have a lot of time. You have time to, to hang out. You have time to, to talk and to chill. But as we get older, man, our schedules get so busy. Listen, I've got a, I've got a daughter that's going to be a senior in high school. I've got a daughter that's going into eighth grade and a son that's going into fifth grade. And listen, just my two older daughters' schedules can get our heads spinning. And listen, I know I am not, I see a lot of heads not. I am not, that's not special to us. That is just our life. And so when somebody says, hey, let's get together, I'm like, great. Can we do that in three months when her sports schedules are done? You know, we get so busy. See, my parents had it a lot easier because I was an only child. How many only children we got out here? Anybody? Come on. There you go. All right. I feel you right here. I love you guys. You know, being an only, children, only child is great to a certain degree. But, you know, for me, friends are all I had. Like, listen, if, if I wasn't hanging out with my friends, I was home playing with my Matchbox cars. I mean, you know, it's, it's all, I didn't have the Internet back then, you know. And it's like we didn't have those things. And so all I had were my friends. So it was for me, there was points in my life when it got lonely. I used to beg my mom for another brother or sister because I wanted somebody to play with. And she's like, that's not happening. I'm like, okay. But social media in today's culture has changed the way that we view friendships. 
See, I always tell my kids, I'm like, listen, your friends will come and go, but you will always have each other. You'll always have each other. This is something that I don't necessarily get to have. Now, I've got friends that I've had for a long time, but we know that our, our, our brothers and sisters, they were the ones that will be there with us for the long haul. But it's important that we find those meaningful friendships because here's the thing that I want us to understand is today we have more friends than ever before, but more loneliness and depression than any previous generation. It doesn't make sense. How can we be so connected? How can we have so many friends but yet be so lonely? I was reading a, a Cornell University course blog, and this is what it said. It says, by but while people tell themselves that being online helps them stay connected, we're unknowingly draining our social energy for in-person interactions. This would make sense because as the article in Dunbar's research points out, let me hit the pause button right here and say in this blog post, they were, they were talking about an article that they had read as a class, but the blog continues on. Social media can actually lead to feelings of loneliness. People think they have this huge support and friendship network. But in reality, social media has not strengthened any of their connections. It's just an illusion. Now, before you think, man, this guy's just going to bash social media, not, not that at all. Social media is great because technology and social media has done a great job of bringing us close together. I love being able to sit in my office and about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, my phone will ring and the number shows up as Stockholm, Sweden. And I actually answer that phone call because I know who it's coming from because it's a good friend of mine who's a missionary in Stockholm. And so he can call me on his way home from work via FaceTime audio so it doesn't cost us any money. Yes. But anyway, we can talk for a half hour, hour, however long we want to because technology has done that. We can stay connected with them through social media. Social media has done a lot of great things to bring us together. But at the same time, social media causes us to feel so lonely. Because we look, as we scroll through social media, we see everybody else's highlight reel. Man, look at them. They're out on their boat this weekend. Or, man, look at where they got to go on vacation, and here I am. But we don't know everything they're dealing with. So we're comparing our life with their highlight reel. So we become lonely. We feel like we don't have it all together. But I want to challenge us this morning that that's not how we were created to be. Genesis 2.18 says that it is not good for man to be alone. And you're like, well, that's a, that's a wedding passage. What are you talking about? You know, it is a wedding passage, but I also believe that, you know what, we were, we were not created to do life by ourselves. That we're not to be, go through life lonely and just not having friends and deep, meaningful friendships. So as we conclude our Navigating Life series today, we're going to jump into the book, the wisdom book of Ecclesiastes, and we're specifically going to look at the topic of friendships. Because here's the thing, a little background into the book of Ecclesiastes. Most people will say that it was written by Solomon, and, and, and there's a lot of evidence that would, would lean to that. But there's also some thought that maybe this wasn't necessarily written by Solomon, but it was written about Solomon. Like it was somebody sitting there watching Solomon's life, the wisest, wealthiest man ever to live. And they were writing things about his life and what his life looked like from the outside. 
But for today, we're, gonna, we're just going to assume that Solomon wrote this book. So Solomon gives us some incredible information because he begins the, the book by just listing out things that he sees as meaningless or, or vanity. And so we're going to pick it up in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting at verse 7. It says this, it says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Continues on in verse 8, it says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Another passage that I'm sure that we've heard a lot as we've attended weddings over the years. See, verse 7 and 8, the first screen that we, we looked at, really focused on a man who had worked really hard. He was a workaholic. He was working to gain as much wealth and as much stuff as he could. But then all of a sudden he realizes one day, who do I have to share this with? Why am I doing this alone? Why am I giving up the pleasures of now just so that I can gain all this money and not have anything, not be able to share it with anybody? You see, for a lot of us today, we may be in a similar situation, but we, the difference is we have a family. We have a, a wife or a husband, and we have kids, and, but yet we find ourselves working so hard, so many long hours, only to provide a lifestyle that we've come accustomed to. And yet, when we look back, all we can think about is all the hours that we've worked. We, we have all the fun toys, but we never have time to enjoy them. Reminds me of a couple, listen, growing up, I, like, I'd, I'd love to know if statistically this is a rarity. I think it is. But in my youth group growing up, we had three sets of twins. It was hard to tell everybody apart. So we called everybody by their last name. So we had the Baker twins, the Siebert twins, and then we had another set of twins that they had this really long, like hard to pronounce last name. So they were just Barry and Terry. All right. So um, we just left it at that because it was too hard to say like Andrews. I, I can't even remember what it was. But they, the Siebert twins were my age um, and they worked at Worlds of Fun every summer. Uh, once they turned 16, they worked at Worlds of Fun, which some of you may know is now owned, ironically, by Cedar Fair and, uh, in Kansas City. And so they worked in the food service department. And like a lot of, you know, uh, amusement parks, they worked a lot of hours. I remember calling them up and they're like, yeah, we're working 80-plus hours this week. I'm like, man, you guys are working all the time. Now, listen, they had all the cool stuff. So this is like the, the early, early 90s, right, and the bag phones, like the cell phones. You guys are, you know, remember, it was like this big old thing. No, man, they had the money to get the small new little flip phones, right, that they could, you didn't have to carry this bag with you everywhere you went, you know. They, I was like, I want one of those, but I wasn't working 80 plus hours a week, so I wasn't getting one. But they worked so much. But we never got to hang out much in the summertime because they were so busy, working so much. 
You see, I, it reminds me of a saying I once heard is that we need to work to live, don't live to work. But I find it interesting that, the, that Solomon ends this, this passage talking about it. He says, look, it is all so meaningless and depressing. The wealthiest man in the world realized that just having money wasn't everything. But he gives us some real insight in the next verse. It says this. It starts off, two people are better off than one. So he says, listen, this is, he starts talking about a guy that's all by himself. And he says, listen, two people are at least better than one. And here's the great thing. I want to pause right here because the rest of this passage that, that we read a moment ago and that we're going, to, we're going to walk through is he gives us kind of the how and the why. How are two people better than one? Why, why are two people better than one? And he gives us the first one right there. For they can help each other succeed. You see, true friends will help each other succeed. They will, as my favorite verse in probably all of Scripture, one of them at least is Proverbs 27, 17, says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. I had a good friend of mine, Gary Fowler. We, we don't get to hang out quite as much anymore. He lives in Columbus. And, but we used to serve on some, a, a team together that we planned a lot of events. We planned these large camps and conventions and, and different things. And we would sit in these meetings. And because Gary and I's friendship, we, we would sit by each other. And Gary is just one of these people that you cannot hang around him without leaving better than what you left. And so I would sit in these meetings, and I had one of these, these quirks, if you will, and that I, as I would begin to talk in our meetings, I would say, um, a lot, right? And so, Gary, I would voice my, you know, idea or whatever, and I'd see Gary over there writing while I was talking. I'm like, what is he doing? Next thing I know, I'd stop talking, and Gary would lean over and go, you said 20 ums just then. I'm like, come on, Gary, really? Did you even listen to what, you know? But Gary, Gary sharpened me. Now, I probably don't say um as much as I used to, but now I probably say other things. In fact, my wife was like, you know what, you said this a lot <laughs> last night when you were speaking. So you can start tallying the things that I say a lot, and you can help me out and sharpen me today. But, uh, but you know what, it's about teamwork. It's about coming alongside somebody else and, and making them better. You know, a lot of times when I, when I introduce myself, I always say that, that my wife and I lead the high school ministry. It's because we're a team. My, my name may be over the door in my office, but we're a team because, listen, I'm not that good by myself. We're a team because she saves me from making a fool of myself a whole lot of times. You know, and she'll also have some great ideas that I'm like, I would never have thought of that. We're a team. I was reading a story this week and it talked about draft horses. Now, I'm not a horse person, so if I get this wrong, if you're into horses, then please forgive me. But I was reading this story and it talked about draft horses, which I think are like the big Clydesdales. I mean, they're the big horses, right? And it said this. It says that one draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Pretty impressive. And it said, then it said, but when you pair it with another horse, and I'm thinking, I already know this. Listen. I got a solid B in math. I know the answer to this, right? It is 16,000 pounds. I got this. But it's not. When you put two draft horses together, they can automatically pull 24,000 pounds, three times what one horse can pull. But here's even crazier. When those horses train and they work together for a little while, they can no longer pull 24,000 pounds. They can pull 32,000 pounds, four times as much as one horse, because they've worked together and they've teamed up to make an impact. 
And I just want to say this right now, but as, as a high school leader here overseeing the high school, we value very much partnering with parents. In fact, it's not just high school, it's middle school, it's kids ministry, it's all the way from cradle to career that we value coming together alongside you as parents. Because here's the thing that we understand, is that we get such so little time with your students, with your child, and you get so much time with your student or child, that we value coming alongside and partnering with you Because we realize that teamwork, what do they say, makes the dream work, right? And we want to team up with you. We want to partner with you to make an impact in this next generation. So I I got got to give a little plug here. If you're you're the parent of a high school student, every week we send out an email. Every week that 180 meets, we we send out an email. If you're not getting those, please see me afterwards. We want to make sure you're on that mailing list. Because here's why. Not only do you find out things that are going on in, in, in our high school ministry, but more importantly, there, there's resources in there to help you connect with your student about what we're talking about or just being able to connect with them in general. So I want to challenge you that if you're not receiving those, please make sure you see me because we want to get you on that mailing list. Because we desire to, we, we, want, to, we want to partner with you. Because listen, I, yeah, I've got it. I'm a dad of a, of a, of a senior and, and a middle school. Listen, I don't have it all together. They'll be the first to tell you. <laughs> So we want to we want to partner with you and we want to come alongside because there are things that you can help me with and there are things that I can help you with and we want to partner with parents because two can make a difference and we can help each other succeed at being better parents, right? So Solomon continues on in Ecclesiastes 4:10. He says if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. This is kind of obvious, right? You're thinking, well, that's kind of common sense. But here's the thing we need to understand about the context that this was written in. The terrain when they would travel and they would make their journeys was very rocky. It it could be very treacherous. And so if somebody was traveling by themselves and they fell and got hurt, then they could literally risk dying because they were by themselves. They had no one there to help them. Now, obviously, in today's culture, if we see somebody fall, most of us would go and help them out, right? But how do we apply that to our spiritual lives? Maybe, maybe there's friends in our lives that, don't, that aren't falling physically, but maybe they're falling spiritually or morally. You see, it's important that we share one another's bur- burdens. Galatians 6.2 says exactly that, that we are to share each other's burdens, and that's why here at the chapel we talk a lot about the importance of, of getting in a circle. That, that rows like this are great, but it's important to be in a circle because as it goes back, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When you're going through life together with your small group, when you begin to go through those challenging times, you're there with your small group and you have people to walk the journey with you. So if you're not in a small group, we challenge you to get in a small group. Solomon continues on in verse 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm? Okay, listen, guys. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, listen, I've never heard anybody in a man cave lean over and say, hey, Dave, come here and snuggle with me. Your, your wife probably wouldn't, wouldn't appreciate that. And speaking of wives, can, can, can you guys help me out? I need some help. Guys, am I the only one that, like, it's, it's like a cold winter night, 
and you're sitting in the house and you've got your hoodie on and, and you, you know, you're, you're, you're nice, you're comfy, right? And all of a sudden, your wife, or, or maybe you've, you've just crawled into bed and you're all cu- cu- cuddled up underneath the covers, and all of a sudden, your wife walks up to you and takes those ice cubes, I mean hands, and just slides them down the back of your, back of your hoodie, right, where you're so warm. And, or or she, she leans over in bed and she brushes her ice-cold foot up against your leg, and you about like you levitate. You just come out of the ground. Okay, am I not the Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one that suffers from this, right? It's, it's disturbing, but, he, but I, I joke about that. But here's the thing. Why, why do our wives do that? Because they're, they're seeking comfort. And that's what we have to understand about this passage of Scripture, that this was long before the days of, of down comforters and long before the days of electric blankets, which I solved my wife's problem. I bought her a heated mattress pad. Awesome, best investment I've ever made. But anyway, that's a side note. But this was before the days of electric blankets, and this was before the days of Motel 6 leaving the light on for you. When they traveled, they slept. I mean, it wasn't even tent camping. It was like, hey, that looks like a soft piece of ground. Let's, let's, let's lay there. And so if they were traveling, obviously a husband and wife had two people to keep each other warm. But obviously, I think Solomon was talking to singles. So allow me to talk to the singles for a moment. I want to give you the best marriage advice you could ever have. You ready? Get a pen, write this down, get your phone, be ready. Marry your best friend. Marry your best friend. You're like, it's not very real original, Tim. You need to come up with a new one. I've heard that. You've heard that. But here's the thing. It's the most important. Because I tell students all the time, listen, you are friends way more than you are lovers. And if you're not friends with your spouse and with your your spouse, then I'm telling you, Marriage gets a lot tougher. I got lucky because I honestly, I did marry my best friend. I, I actually met Meg through her, one of her ex-boyfriends, all right? She, we forgi- we've forgiven her, okay? It's okay, we can forgive her. No, but when, when we were in college, I met Meg through one of, of, of her ex, uh, one of her boyfriends. And, and, and so we met and, and we started talking that year because they were dating. I was friends with the guy she was dating and he was a cool guy and everything. And so we, we just became great friends. We went on a missions trip for spring break together, and I mean, it was, we literally were great friends. In fact, um, I used to call her all the time, and we'd talk on the phone, and I would tell her about all the girls that I thought were hot on campus, I, I, you know, and then I would also tell her, well, everyone on campus thinks she's really hot, but I don't, and she literally looked at me one day, and she says, you will never get married because you are so stinking picky, and I said, well, I won because look who I married, all right, so I guess my pickiness I, I won that, that argument, but, uh, but no, we, we will celebrate 20 years of marriage next March. And you know what? Thank you. Applaud her. She's had to put up with me. So. But we'll celebrate those 20 years, and you know what? There are times that we may not have made it through our marriage if we hadn't been the friends that we were before we got married. So that's why it's so important to be able to be friends with your spouse because you are friends way more than your lovers. So, Solomon continues on with some, with some great advice in verse 12. He says this, he says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And every time I read this verse, I automatically think of National Geographic. I think of National Geographic, why? Because I think of the poor little gazelle 
that has wandered off from the herd, right? And it's all by himself, and no one's paying attention, and there's the predator coming and the music building, and, you know, it's sad, but he, spoiler alert, he dies, all right? So, you know, it's, it happens, right? But here's the thing. A true friend always has your back. A true friend always has your back and is watching out for you. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, I have ADD, so I have these thoughts coming to mind. Has anyone seen the new Top Gun trailer? Okay, listen. Like, I am so jazzed. Like, I cannot wait for next year. Because, like, I am so excited. If you have not seen the new Top Gun, listen, I know, Tom Cruise is in it, and he's, like, ancient old. But I can't believe he still, you know, he still looks young. Leave that up to interpretation. But, you know, he still looks young. But anyway, so... I, I saw this trailer the other day, and I was so excited. But it made me think of a scene from the, the first Top Gun. You remember this scene. It was in one of the training missions. Maverick's up in the air, right? He's flying with Hollywood. And all of a sudden, over his radio, he hears Jester is in the skies. Who's Jester? Jester's the head of the academy of Top Gun. He's the guy. He's the officer doing all the training. He's the best, right? And so Mav wants him. Mav wants wants to get him in this training exercise. And so what does he say? Hollywood, you're looking good. I'm going after Jester. And he peels off and he goes after Jester and he leaves his wingman. And what happens? The next few moments, they're flying around, and Jester's like, man, this kid's good. And Maverick's, man, this guy's good. And he can't get it. And all of a sudden, he's trying to get the tone, and he just about gets it locked in. And all of a sudden, he hears, and he's shot. It wasn't real. He, 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 didn't, he didn't die, but in their training mission, he was killed. And I love Goose's line. The Defense Department regrets to inform you that your sons are dead because they were stupid. Why were they stupid? Because their pride caused them to leave their wingman. Their pride caused them to leave the person that they were supposed to be back to back with. But you know what? Maverick learned his lesson. Because at the end of the movie, when the bullets and the missiles were real, he said, I'm not leaving my wingman. He wouldn't leave ice. He was sticking with him no matter what because he wasn't leaving his wingman. And if we're true friends, we don't leave our wingman. We stay with them and we protect them whether they're getting attacked spiritually or physically. We're standing with them. We're standing by them because there's strength in numbers. Because they conclude verse 12 with that very, very familiar passage of the three are even better for a triple braided cord are not easily broken. Now, obviously, listen, I know exactly where we go. Well, that third, it's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? When they're, the three boys were in the fire, man, Jesus was right there with them. He was the fourth man. So Jesus has got to be the third, the third braid. And it's true. But here's what I also think that Solomon is saying. Whether you have two friends, or one friend, or two friends, or three friends, the more friends you have, the better. The more close friends you have, the better. The more close friends you have, the, are, the better. But it's important that we look at how we choose these friends because a, a friend and mentor of mine, Jeannie Mayo, who has been in youth ministry for literally 40 or 50 years, says this. She says, friends are like elevator buttons. They will either take you up or down. The type of friends that we have will determine the direction of our lives. Because they're either going to lift us up or they're going to tear us down. 
So how, how, do we, how do we apply this today? How when we walk out of these doors today and we walk into our offices this week, how do we apply this? I want to challenge you as I, at the beginning, I ask you to think of your high school best friend. I want you to think about some friends now, some friends in your lives now. And I, my guess is that as, you, as I've been talking, that you've had friends come to your mind, particular individuals come to your mind. And I want you to think about those people. Maybe they're a close friend. Maybe they're just more of a, an acquaintance. But I, as you think about them, I want you to answer in your mind a couple of questions. The first one is this. How are you making them better? How are you making them better? Like Gary Fowler, how are you sharpening them? How are you telling them ways to get better, ways to improve? How are you making them better? Maybe you need to think about what you can do to help pick them up. Maybe one of your friends is going through a challenging time. And, and listen, I get it. I, I've walked with and journeyed with people that after so long of just, they get up and then they fall back down and they get up and they fall back down. And you literally, you just want to be like, listen, you're not learning your lesson. Lose my number, right? No, i just be honest for a minute. We, we have those thoughts. And you know what? Every time I have those thoughts, you know what Jesus reminds me? He says, listen, I've never given up on you. Why would you give up on them? So I want to challenge us. What are we doing? How can we do, how can we do a better job of helping people when they fall? Maybe for some of us, it's just taking our friendship to another level. You see, some of us, we've been hurt by friendships and relationships, and so we, we, we keep everybody here. We build walls. We say, listen, I will let you in this far, but you're, you're not getting any closer. Maybe for some of you, it's time to trust again. And it's time to let down that guard. It's time to, to, to tear down those walls that you've kept people at arm's distance and let them in so that they can see and know the real you. How can you be there for that friend when they're attacked? I mean, if they're getting attacked physically, I, I hope you're there for them. But especially when it comes to spiritual or emotional how can you be there to walk beside them? Now, I know what you may be thinking. You're like, Tim, listen, everything you've said is about how I treat other people and how I'm a friend to other people. But what about me? I mean, come on. Our culture says, hey, look out for numero uno, right? It's all about me. It's all about taking care of me. If you're not a good friend to me, then, you know, hit the road, Jack. But here's what I want to challenge us to think about today. And I want us to walk away with this, is to be the friend you want to have. There are many spiritual principles where when we take our eyes off of ourselves and we begin to focus on other people, that God takes care of us. And I think friendships are no different. That as we begin to get our eyes on how we treat others and how we're friends with other people, that God will put the friends in our lives that we need. So I want to challenge us that as we walk out of here today and we walk into our office tomorrow or next time we, we see that friend or those friends, those, those individuals that have been coming to your mind that you've been thinking about, my prayer is that this message comes to your remembrance. That you'll begin to think about how you can sharpen them, how you can make them better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for being able to come and to gather here. And 
And Lord, we just pray for our friendships. Lord, we pray right now that you would just help us to, to, to do exactly as Solomon says and, and to be able to sharpen our friends, but God, and, and to help walk through them with, in difficult times. But Lord, more than anything, God, I pray that we will focus on being the friend that we want to have. That we won't look at how the other person is treating us, but Lord, we will look at how we are to treat them and how we are to be a friend to them. Because Father, I know that you're so faithful that as we begin to focus and take, take the focus off of ourselves and put it on others, that God, you'll take care of us. So Father, we give you praise and we, we thank you today in Jesus' name, amen.